from some of your favorite authors, friends, and guests. Explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Bookie Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski, and this is podcast episode 19. Each week, I bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have Amy Clitston on board. Amy's Amish series includes the Kaufman Amish Bakery series and the Heart of Lancaster Grand Hotel series. Her books have achieved the Christian fiction bestsellers list, including the Christian Book Association's bestseller list and the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association bestsellers list. Amy signed with the Seymour Agency in 2006 and states her dreams came true in 2007 when she sold her first book, A Gift of Grace. Hello, Amy, and thank you for joining us. Hello, Amy. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. You know, you have an incredible lineup of Amish books, and I, for one, have enjoyed many of them over the years. And I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to our interview all week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You have a new book out entitled An Amish Singing. But before we talk about that new release, I'd like to take our listeners for an inside look at some of their favorite authors' writing careers. So can I pick your brain for a few minutes? Absolutely. Well, let's start. In your opinion, what are the essential elements of good writing? I think it's having good, well-rounded characters that readers can relate to, characters that have struggles and have flaws and are just like us. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, people don't want all fluff all the time. They don't want rainbows and sunshines and always a happy ending. What they want to read are real life struggles. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me, what comes first for you, the plot or the characters? I think it's the plot. Um, I'll come up with an idea. Uh, for example, a young Amish woman who is struggling with her faith because one of her, one of her parents is ill. And, and then once I figure out that, then I'll figure out who they are as far as their names and things like that. But I, I think it's always the situation. I, I think what's important is finding the conflict and where that conflict will lie and then figuring out who the characters are. And I don't know about you, Amy, but I love naming my characters. They come to life in my head when I put a name to them. How about you? Right. And the name and what they look like. One of my books that I wrote, The Cherished Quilt, which is part of my heirloom series, I was really struggling with the hero and I don't know about you, but I'll use like, I'll use actors and actresses as my mental models, I call them. And I found a picture of a young man and I thought that's Christopher. And then all of a sudden he came to life. Do you do that as well? Do you look for pictures of people? I I have to tell you, my last book that I wrote, Love Blooms at the Apple Blossom Inn, was set in my fictitious town of Willow Springs, which is really New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. So I went and did, did some research, and the couple had some conflict at a coffee shop. So I sat at this coffee shop in New, New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, and a gentleman sat across the room from me, and he was my character to the T. So I quietly, nonchalantly took my cell phone out and I took a picture of him and he was my character for Love Bloom. So, you know, I find characters in the strangest places. 
Oh, I love that. <laughs> so you've told us that you signed with the Seymour Agency in 2006, but if you're anything like me, you've probably been writing a lot longer than that. When did you first consider yourself a writer? Well, it's kind of funny because I wrote for fun as a kid. In elementary school, I carried uh, notebooks around and wrote silly stories that I would only share with like a friend. But I really didn't want to be a writer until after college. I didn't pursue it as a career. It was something that I did as a stress reliever. And I started writing fan fiction in junior high and high school. And then I stopped writing. I guess I was too busy in college. And after college, I started writing again. And then I accidentally found a local chapter of Romance Writers of America in Chesapeake, Virginia. We were living in um, Virginia Beach at the time. And I went to a meeting and I thought, well, maybe this hobby could become something more. Um, so it's really funny. I really didn't consider myself a writer until I think that was around 2003 or 2004. So it's just, I kind of didn't realize what I wanted to be when I grew up till after I was grown up. <laughs> well, I guess God had different plans so. for you then, didn't he? God just had different plans for you. He sure did. He sure did. So I have, right. to, I have to ask, what do you do for a living? I know you work, you write part-time like I do. What do you do for a living? I work full-time for the city of Charlotte. I live near Charlotte, North Carolina, and I do uh, HR and finance. Um, not very creative, very straightforward, <laughs> yes. but um, I kind of consider myself as having two full-time jobs because I write um, several books per year if you count novellas and full-length novels but um, it's stressful but I do well under pressure I'm grateful my mom lives with my family and me and she's a tremendous help so um, the house doesn't fall apart because my mom is here and uh, we just we just make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for mothers right? Thank God for mothers. Well if, yes. if, if you <laughs> yeah. In your home, it sounds like you have a full house. So tell us what your writing space looks like. Um, you're going to laugh at me. Um, I haven't had, I haven't ever had an office and we finally put an office together, but I don't write in there um, because <laughs> the desk faces the wall and I could never write in there. And I don't think I could write by myself. So my younger son is in high school and he's um, doing virtual school part-time and going to school into the classroom um, part-time. So that's actually his office. And I write in the family room. Um, my desk is one of those really cool coffee tables that um, raises up that used to be in years ago. My mother-in-law mm -hmm. bought it for us years ago. And I sit in there with my computer. My mom sits in a recliner and reads a book and she keeps me company and the cats come in and out. And so I'm in the middle of the family room. That's where I write. <laughs> oh, no, I'm completely opposite. So, I have to have complete silence when I write. So it amazes me how every author that I ask, their writing atmosphere is completely different. Some like you sit in the family room, some sit at a table, a couple people sat, they write at night sitting up in their bed. I mean, just crazy places, oh, wow. but I guess it's, our minds are so creative that wherever our mind opens up that we can write and tell a story. It doesn't matter where you sit and it doesn't matter if you sit behind a desk. So I love asking that question. Right. So thank you for answering that. So that moves us right into your latest release, which is an Amish singing. And I have to tell you that from doing my research on this book, I love how you broke it down into four parts that match up with four of my favorite hymns. I love that. So would you please tell us how you went about 
picking those particular four songs. And please go ahead and share them with our listeners. And just tell us a little bit about this new book called An Amish Singing. Well, thank you. Um, it is a novella collection with four stories that intertwine about four young couples. The first story is called Hymn of Praise. And I wanted to write about an Amish hymn. And I will probably not say the name correctly, but their hymn of praise is Das Loblied. And they sing it at every single church service. And they, they always include this hymn. And so it's very special to them. So that's why I included that in the first story. And the first story is about a young woman named Sharon and her friend Jay. And she decides that she wants her friends to get together to sing for people in the community who are either um, down on their luck, having a hard time, maybe a family member is ill or they're dealing with grief. And then she and her mother host uh, meals in their home for tourists. And one day, one of the, 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 the folks who comes to the house for a meal, he asks an inappropriate question. And so to cut him off, she looks at her sister and says, let's sing. So then she decides to include singing at the different meals and invites her friends to come. And when Jay, the boy, she's the young man, she's interested in, finds out that she's singing the hymn of praise for the tourists, he's offended. So they kind of struggle with that as they're getting to know each other as more than friends and they disagree on this this issue. Uh, the second story is called Amazing Grace, and I wanted to include that hymn because it's so important to all of us as Christians, and it speaks to all of us. And that, that story is my most, in my opinion, the most emotional story in the collection. Um, this young man named Dave blames himself because a year ago, he, uh, a child he was caring for um, died in a tragic accident, and he blames himself, and he pulls away from the community, pulls away from his friends, and Alice is a young woman in this friend group who wants to help him back, help him realize that God forgives him and the community loves him. And so um, I think that's my favorite story in the collection because I love writing about characters that have deep emotional issues. I, I just have so much fun um, having a character that needs to be ministered to. So that's amazing grace. Um, Great is Thy Faithfulness is another one of my favorite hymns that I wanted to include. And that story is about Darlene, whose mother is battling cancer. And she can't understand why God would allow someone so wonderful to go through such a terrible time. So in that story, she's care helping to care for her mother and seeing her mother struggle with the cancer treatments. And Andrew is the young man in their group who tries to minister to her. And I said that Amazing Grace is my favorite story, but I, this story is also very close to my heart because my father had a stroke when I was in college. And I, I felt the same way as Darlene, not understanding why God would make somebody so wonderful go through such a hard time. And I, I think we can all relate to that. We've all gone through something and we question why we're going through it. And then Oh Holy Night is the last story. And it's, it's a Christmas story. And I love writing about Christmas and uh, Oh Holy Night is one of my favorite hymns. And in that story, Elaine moves to the community from New Wilmington, which you mentioned. Uh -huh. And Elaine was hurt by her group of friends before they moved. So she's 
uh, uh, very hesitant to trust people. And Calvin, who's a member of the friend group that's been going out and singing, is the one who tries to get Elaine to realize that not everybody will betray you. And he's trying to encourage her to join the group because he kind of has a crush. So, um, so that's an Amish singing. <laughs> oh, it is wonderful. And I can't wait. Like, I have read your first chapter, and I can't wait to read the whole story. But I have to say something, and maybe our listeners don't realize this, but the hymn of praise that the Amish sing, they sing at every church service at sharply at 9 o'clock a.m., wherever they're at. Can you imagine the beautiful sound that God hears in heaven when all of these Amish communities are singing the hymn of praise at the exact same time every Sunday morning? Does, that just gives me chills when I think about it. Yes. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. That it, is very true. It's beautiful. That is very it's true. So it sounds like all four of those stories are f- stories of faith and forgiveness and hope and, and just um, a Christmas um, miracles. So what is the, the key theme or the message in the book that you want your readers to get from it? I think it's that God is always there throughout the storm even when we think he's forgotten about us or he's abandoned us, that he is always there. And I always try to weave that into my stories because we've all gone through hardships. I mentioned my, my father had a stroke in 1994. My husband's had two kidney transplants. Um, I, I've gone through some times that, that have just, just been really difficult, but we've all gone through that. And so I try to just remind readers that even when you feel like you're alone, you're not, that God is always there for us. And he's always carrying us like the, the, the footprints, you know, the, the, the footprint saying that we all know that um, God was carrying us through those hard times. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much, Amy. And we have something really special for our listeners today. They are going to hear your whole first chapter, and I hope they enjoy um, just getting a sneak peek into an Amish singing. Hymn of Praise, written by Amy Clipson, narrated by Tracy Fredikowski. Chapter 1. Sharon Lambert sighed with contentment as she strolled with Alice and Darlene toward the field of horses and buggies waiting for their owners to start the trek home. The church service and community meal had been held at Alice's family dairy farm, which meant Sharon could walk home from the blanks whenever she wanted. The early April air was cool and crisp as she breathed in the scent of a rain-soaked pasture and enjoyed the warm sun that kissed her cheek. Springtime had made its way to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and when she glanced at the cheerful flowers in Alice's garden, they seemed to smile as if they'd invited the warmer weather just for them. I heard everyone's going to play volleyball over in Ronks this afternoon. Alice pushed the ties from her prayer covering off the shoulder of her yellow dress and white apron. Do you want to join them? Sharon looked her way. With Alice's reddish-brown hair and mocha-colored eyes, Sharon had always considered her one of the prettiest young women in their church district. Today was no exception. I don't know. Darlene blew out a sigh and looked toward where her father and older sister stood talking to some of the neighbors. My mom hasn't been doing well since her treatment on Friday. I'm surprised my dad 
was willing to leave her today, but he insisted the rest of the family come. We all wish patients receiving chemotherapy treatments could be around large crowds, but since their immune system is suppressed, she'd run the risk of getting sick. So she has some good days? Sharon touched Darlene's arm as concern about the Bender family slid through her. She'd known Darlene and Alice since they were all in first grade together, 14 years ago. They were best friends, and she cared about their families, too. Sharon noticed Darlene's demeanor as she looked at her sister and father again. Sharon had always envied Darlene's golden-colored hair and pretty brown eyes, too, but today she only saw the worry in her friend's eyes. Some days, but most days, are tough. Darlene's voice wobbled, and Sharon gave her arm a little squeeze as her throat dried. I'm so sorry, Alice said. I know it's Sunday, but there must be something we can do to help out this afternoon. No, Darlene shook her head. We'll be fine. Go have fun with our friends. What are you three doing today? Cal King asked as he approached them with Jay Smoker and Andrew Detweiler in tow. All around the same age, the six of them had always been friends, but over the past year, they'd become a tight group. Sharon tried to clear her dry throat as she looked up at Jay. Although she was taller than Alice and Darlene, which they'd once convinced to envying, Jay stood a few inches taller than her, about six feet. Inwardly, she sighed a little. Although Andrew and Cal were handsome too, Lately, Jay had stood out as not just good-looking, but intriguing. At 23, two years older than her, he was about the same height as his friends. But he somehow seemed even taller. And she'd noticed how well his light brown hair and and honey-colored eyes complemented his chiseled cheekbones and enticing smile. She'd always thought he was attractive when they were in school and youth group together, but he also seemed more mature these past few months. He'd seem more serious as well, especially during church services. I was just talking about playing volleyball with everyone else at Katie Miller's house, Alice said. Let's do something different. The words seemed to burst from Sharon's lips. Like what? Jay's gorgeous eyes focused on Sharon and her heart did a little dance. I noticed Martha Bontrager wasn't in church today. I thought maybe we could go sing for her and brighten her day. So I asked her son if that would be okay. He said it would, and he promised not to mention it to her. So if we go, it will be a surprise. Jay nodded before dividing a look between Cal and Andrew. I think that's a wonderful idea. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Cal lifted his hat and pushed back his golden hair. Let's do it. Sharon turned to Darlene, suddenly feeling guilty. Why had she suggested they sing for Martha when Darlene's mother was so ill? We can sing for your mom instead. Darlene shook her head. No, it's okay. She likes it quiet after she's had a treatment. She really doesn't want visitors. How is she doing? Andrew asked. She's hanging in there. Anyway, I need to go check in with my dad and Schwester. Her smile seemed forced before she hurried off. Is she all right? Andrew's dark eyes seemed full of worry. He was such a good guy.
I'm not sure. She doesn't share much about what she's going through. Sharon turned toward where Darlene now spoke to her family. Alice frowned. Maybe her mom doesn't want us coming to the house, but let's ask Darlene soon if we can help them in some other way. That's a good plan, Jay stepped closer to Sharon, and his nearness sent her senses spinning. What was wrong with her? She'd known him since he was seven years old. She saw Darlene nod at her father, and then she returned. My dot thinks I should go singing with you. He just asked me not to stay out too long. Are you sure you don't want to go home instead? Sharon asked. She didn't want Darlene to feel obligated to go with them. No, I want to go with you. My dot and Brianna said they'll take care of Mom this afternoon. It's the Lord's Day. Let's go to Martha's house and bring her some joy. Alice looked behind her. Let's invite Dave, too. When Alice approached Dave, Esh, and said something, Sharon saw him stick his hands in his pockets and look down, shaking his head. Alice frowned and nodded before returning to the group. Dave had always been a part of their activities until a tragedy occurred last winter, but Sharon wasn't surprised he wouldn't come. He said he can't go, Alice looked back at Dave as he made his way toward the knot of buggies. I was hoping he'd say yaw. Dave had been best friends with Cal and me forever, Jay said, and then he turned to Cal. We won't give up on him, right? Yeah, Cal said. That's right. But Sharon thought Cal looked a little less sure about that. I just need to let my mom and Dot know I'm going. Sharon hurried to where her parents were talking to friends by the barn. She hoped Jay would wait for her and give her a ride to Martha's house. The thought of sitting beside him in his buggy sent a thrill racing through her. She stood near her family a little impatiently until her mother noticed her, but she didn't want to interrupt her conversation. Sharon, Mom finally said, are you and your friends going to play volleyball this afternoon? I heard that was the plan for all the young people today. No, Sharon jammed her thumb toward the buggies. We're going to go sing at Martha's house since she wasn't in church today. Her son said it would be okay. Oh, I think she'd like that. When it looked like she wouldn't be interrupting either, Mom got Dot's attention with a hand on his arm. Ira, Sharon and her friends are going to go sing at Martha Botryker's house. That's awfully nice, Dot smiled. Be home for supper, though. I will. Sharon looked at her sister, who joined them. What are you doing this afternoon? Ruby Sue nodded toward a group of teenagers behind her. I'm going to go play volleyball. My friends and I are leaving in a few minutes. Be careful, Sharon told her before waving goodbye to her family. I'll see y'all later. She rushed back to where Alice was standing with Andrew by his buggy. Where's everyone else? Andrew opened the passenger side door. Jay said he had to run home for a minute, and Darlene and Cal just left for Martha's. Hop on in. Oh, Sharon tried to disguise her disappointment as she maneuvered into the back of the buggy, doing her best to swallow a frown. She really wanted to ride with Jay. Alice and Andrew sat on the front bench seat as Andrew guided the horse down the rock driveway 
toward the main road. Thank you for coming with me to Martha's, Sharon said as the horse clip-clopped down the road. While I was praying in church today, I felt moved to do something more meaningful than play games this afternoon. Alice looked back at her. I'm glad you suggested this. Andrew nodded while keeping his eye on the road. He was the quiet one in their group. When Jay and Cal joked and horsed around, Andrew just smiled as he looked on. Sharon often wondered what he was thinking. Martha's son thought she'd appreciate the company. She must be lonely since Herman died. It's only been six months, Sharon said as Andrew guided the horse onto Martha's street. I'm sure you're right, Alice said. Andrew guided the horse into the driveway that led past the main Boatrager house to Martha's small, whitewashed, dotty house in the back of the dairy farm. As the horse approached the little building, Sharon spotted Martha sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch. Cal was tying his horse to the post beside the house as Darlene made her way to Martha. Andrew halted his horse beside Cal, and Alice and Sharon climbed out of the buggy to join the other women. Good afternoon, Martha, Sharon called as she and Alice climbed the porch steps. How are you? Sharon took in Martha's bright smile amid the many wrinkles that lined her face. I'm well. What brings you all here today? We wanted to see you since you weren't in church today, Sharon said. And we thought we might sing for you, too, Alice chimed in. Martha clapped her hands together. What a blessing! I prayed for some company, and the Lord has provided it for me. And I would love to hear you sing. She looked past them as Andrew and Cal joined them. You brought your handsome boyfriends, too. Oh, no, Sharon laughed as Alice and Darlene shook their heads. We're all just friends. My Herman and I started out as friends. You never know. Martha pushed herself up from the rocking chair and then hobbled toward the front door with the aid of a cane. Let me help. Andrew opened the door wide for her. Danky? Martha gazed up at him, and with her tiny frame, she looked like a child next to him. She touched his arm. You're a good boy. Sharon looked at Alice, and they shared a grin. Martha beckoned them to follow her. Come into the kitchen. My daughter-in-law brought me cookies from the bakery yesterday. May I help you get them out? Sharon offered as she stepped to the counter. Yeah? Martha pointed to a box. The cookies are there. What can I do? Darlene asked. I'll help too, Alice said. Martha directed them to the plates, napkins, and glasses, and soon they were all eating oatmeal raisin cookies and drinking milk crowded around the small kitchen table with the aid of folding chairs Cal and Andrew brought from a tiny utility room. How have you been? Cal asked Martha between bites of a cookie. Martha turned toward the window that looked out over a vast green pasture dotted with cows and outlined by a white fence. I miss my husband. We were together nearly 70 years. She sighed. It seems strange to wake up alone and then spend the day longing to tell him things.
Sharon glanced at Alice, who looked at Martha with the empathy Sharon had come to appreciate. But God is good, Martha's expression lightened. After all, he sent you all here to see me today. That's just what I needed. Darlene smiled. Sharon suggested we come, and we loved the idea. You're all so thoughtful. I didn't sleep well last night, so I was too tired to get to church. I seem to have trouble sleeping now that Herman is gone. Martha's wrinkled hand shook as she picked up a cookie. Now what are you all going to sing for me? Sharon's friends all turned their gaze to her. What do you think? Alice asked. Sharon bit her lower lip as her favorite hymns clicked through her mind. How about we start with Rock of Ages? Yeah, Andrew said, and their other friends nodded in agreement. You sing the first verse, and then we'll join in. Sharon closed her eyes and smiled as the Holy Spirit filled her with warmth. Yes, she belonged here, sharing the Lord's love with this dear, lonely woman. If only Jay were here to sing with them. Where was he? So, Amy, that was a great first chapter, and I can't wait to read all four novellas in an Amish singing. So I have to ask, what's next for Amy? Are you working on anything at the present you'd like to share with your readers about? I am. Um, right now, I'm working on two novellas that will be included in two novella collections coming out next year, and I am ready to get started on the first book in my sixth series. So I'll be working on a new series and also shortly a Christmas collection will be coming out in October. On October 6th, an Amish Christmas wedding will hit stores and it's a novella collection with, with four stories by uh, Kelly Irvin, Kathy Fuller, Vanetta Chapman, and me. So I'm going to be very busy and uh, new books will be coming out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, is there anything special you'd like to say personally to your readers? Oh, well, I would like to thank readers so much for reading my books. And if they haven't already signed up for my newsletter, please come by amyclipson.com and sign up for my newsletter. I have a monthly newsletter that comes out and I include uh, exclusive exclusive things such as character updates. Uh, sometimes readers ask me what, what happened to the characters, for example, in my Coffin Amish Bakery series. Well, right now I'm running a series where I have uh, the main character from my young adult series interviewing my Amish characters. So if they sign up, they'll get exclusive things like that. And I also have a brand new online store on my website. So uh, readers will ask me if they could buy books from me. Well, now uh, I've made that possible where they can check out all my books and if they order from me they'll get an autographed copy with some bookmarks in it so just please stop by amyclipson.com and thank you so much well thank you very much well amy i want to thank you so much for spending time with us this week and i look forward to reading the rest of an Amish Christmas series. And that wraps up this week's episode. You can find all episodes of the Buggy Talk podcast on your favorite podcasting channel or links on my website at tracyfredakowski.com. Next week, we'll have Rachel Good as our guest to talk about her latest project, the Amish Christmas Twins. So we'll see you next week on the Buggy Talk podcast.